As human beings, we spend a lot of our time stuck, mired in things like isolation and addiction, regret and resentment, bigotry and abuse. The list of things that weigh down a human life is lengthy and wearisome. But when freedom finally comes, it often appears in unexpected ways and from unexpected places. The Stuck Audio Project is about preserving and pondering those stories of liberation. We believe that by hearing and receiving the stories of others, we open our hearts to the forces of change. The stories you'll hear on the Stuck Podcast come from ordinary people, reflecting on their daily journeys with Christ. On the journey of life, some have come far, and some still have a long way to go. None of them are perfect, but all of them have had genuine tastes of freedom. This story from Gia is about being stuck in the belief that one can never do enough. The crushing weight of this burden became apparent as Gia underwent a divorce. Listen to Gia's story and how she became free of this hardship. See if you hear something of your own story in her experience. Hi, my name is Reverend Gia Starr-Brown, and I am a pastor in the Twin Cities. Uh, I'm currently serving as one of the pastors at First Covenant Church in Minneapolis, and both excited and encouraged to share this moment in my journey with you about uh, a time in my life, a season when I have felt stuck. I was formally married and uh, was divorced in 2008. And uh, prior to getting married, my background was uh, worshiping in a fairly conservative Baptist congregation. And so my understanding of God's grace and God's love in my life really was shaped by the premise that uh, my works, my actions actually created the parameters for the type, the amount the depth of God's love for me. And so when I became divorced in 2008, I recall really wrestling with the idea that the help I needed in getting back on my feet after my divorce was uh, largely because I hadn't uh, done enough work. I hadn't prayed enough. I hadn't been as faithful as I could have been. I uh, believed that the challenges that I experienced after that a separation in my marriage were largely because I was being punished, punished. And so I carried that and uh, kind of accepted my fate, if you will, that I was destined to live a life of wilderness and a life of struggle because of the decision that I had made, not just for myself, but also for my children. I'm a mother of five. And so I remember carrying that around with me as I was, if you can imagine, feeling your way around in the dark, being a newly uh, single mother, I felt like that. I felt like I was feeling my way around in the dark and searching to find my way, find door frames and open windows and places for me to learn, not just about being a single mother, but how to provide for my family with a single income. And uh, largely, I found myself in this space of, of brokenness, of really believing that my actions had led me, or my lack of action with God had led me to this space. And I remember connecting with people who had also become single parents and learning so much uh, just in watching them about how 
God was really present in their lives and and wondering where God was in in my life and what I had what I had done to earn this assumed destiny of punishment. I stayed in that space for, you know, for 7 years, a space of of being spiritually stuck for 7 years. I worked on multiple jobs. I I would learn a new skill or a new trade. Um, and I would share that with people around me and uh, discovered that as I began to find my way around in the dark, my steps that I was finding were actually providing light for people that were also following similar paths. So um, in me finding my way, I was helping other people to find their way. And so I kind of sat down and, and spent some time thinking about that toward the end of that sixth year and thinking about how interesting it is for someone like myself who believed that I was being punished um, to find that people were finding God and were finding liberation from someone who uh, was not liberated. And there was a moment when I stopped and I said, now, wait a minute, you know, maybe it isn't about me not being liberated. Maybe this is about me needing to reconsider uh, my theology and what I know about God. Um, maybe it's about me needing to kind of stop and retrace my steps that I had been taking to really consider all that had happened in my life and where the presence of God might have been uh, for someone who believed that they were walking this journey alone. And that's a very courageous thing to to explore as someone you know coming from uh, that tradition. It's a very interesting journey to take to kind of go back and um, and recollect those breadcrumbs and kind of examine them. And when I did, I realized that God wasn't punishing me. I started to find all of these spaces in my life where the the places where I thought I was walking alone, the places where I was evaluating God's presence in my life, I recognized that that evaluation was by my own doing, that I was evaluating God's presence and God's faithfulness to me uh, based upon my own uh, my own evaluation tool. I was looking for specific ways that God would show up. And um, as I held those breadcrumbs and my footprints underneath a microscope and I looked at them deeper, I found that I actually hadn't been punished, but that I was being equipped. I found that all of the steps that I was taking um, were not only helping me find my way and liberating me, but people that had also uh, were also following similar journeys were being liberated from those steps as well. And the more that I looked and I, I looked around, I found all of the people that had come around me in my life during that season of seven years who had contributed to uh, the health of my children, to to my livelihood, who had become great sounding boards and conversation partners. I mean, it became clear that to me, uh, that God had never left me, that God wasn't punishing me, but that God was actually using me and that my journey was one that was not only meant to be uh, an open journey and a healing journey, but it was meant to also be an open and a healing journey for so many other people. And so this new framework, this new relationship with God, it just opened so many, so many doors for me. It helped me to see God in spaces that I had never seen God before in other people and in circumstances and situations. It renewed my prayer life, brought me back to uh, my love for Jesus and empowered me to ask God for what I needed and to search for the spirit in um, new and creative and innovative ways. 
And so that has actually contributed to shaping my ministry. I have begun to journal um, over the years and have seen this same pattern in my ministry where I go somewhere uh, first or I go somewhere beforehand. And those challenging journeys or that wilderness, whatever the season is, is one that tends to be the uh, foundational breadcrumbs for people who uh, are soon to follow, who need to uh, to who need to have their their steps ordered, who are trying to find their way in the dark. And I have found that. I have found that I can begin to recognize the fragrance of the spirit in my life in those ways. Um, and so I shape my ministry as such. Um, I look at my life and the experiences that I've had, and I think to myself, how could God be potentially using me to not only make a change in my own life, but to possibly provide support and love for other people? And it it shapes Uh, my relationships and my connections. And I find myself now, which is so interesting, thanking God for the wildernesses that are in my life. I find myself thanking God for the seasons when I have felt like I've been stuck or where there's been no movement, uh, because I now know that it is in those spaces that the Spirit is birthing something new. I know that there are new experiences and new joys and new liberations for myself and so many other people in those spaces. And so when I find that I just am literally, you know, standing in in metaphorical concrete and my feet are not moving at all, um, this is when I actually slow down and lean in and listen. I look for the presence of the spirit so that I can lean into that, learn from that, and use that to shape my ministry to share God and gospel with other people. And so um, from that comes, I, I landed on this scripture, which is my life scripture. I think it really just kind of communicates what I've just shared with you now. It is from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 4, and it talks about you know God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Father of compassion the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that, that is so important, that so that is so important, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. That right there speaks as, just speaks volumes to me about my life as a conduit and uh, blessed um, and overjoyed to be a conduit where I receive this comfort and compassion for God. And then I share not my own comfort, not by my strength, but by God's. I share God's compassion and God's comfort with other people. And I I believe that's what we're all called to do. And I thank God every day for the experiences in my life that allow me to be able to do this in an authentic um, and a compassionate way. I think the world, you know, defines suffering as something that we run from. And uh, being an African-American lesbian woman there's a lot of, of perceptions and rhetoric that comes with that, which says that there are beliefs that some of us are meant to suffer more or that it's suffering for the cause. You know, I tend to not lean into those beliefs about suffering. I'm reminded of a scripture from, from the book of James, you know, all good things come from God. I think that what it's led me to do is to redefine my definition of what suffering looks like. I think that I look around and, and the world's definitions of suffering tend to be looking at specific tangible examples of suffering, whether it's going without food or you know natural elements or the provisions of the world. Those are kind of parameters that we look at when we define, when we often define suffering. But I think for me, when I think of the word suffering, I redefine that where 
And I, I say I'm being refined. I'm being reshaped. And I think that that is different uh, because I'm able to discern the difference between, between suffering and between being refined and reshaped. I'm able to, uh, to look and to say, all right, I'm standing in concrete right now. Am I standing in concrete of my own doing? Am I standing in concrete because God has something in store for me? I've learned to actually kind of stop what I'm doing to examine where some of the, where the pause may be coming from so that I can actually lean in to where the spirit may be speaking. And so I don't know if that is truly answering your question, but I think that, that you know, we use uh, definitions that our culture and the world provides to define what suffering is. And we lean into that. If we don't see it, if we live in a microwave society where some people would define suffering as not getting something quick enough or not having what we want when we want it and, and those sorts of things. And, and I just find that for me, it's all and it's none of that. I find that, that you know, there are a lot of things that in, in my past I would have considered to be suffering that now I find to be healing. Isn't that interesting? Things that I would say in the past were seasons of suffering were actually seasons of healing. And I find that there are times when I need that time of, of stillness, where I need to be standing in concrete. I find myself grateful now and giving thanks to God for those times of uh, minimalism and those times of uncertainty, because it lets me know that I'm not in control. It really strengthens my my faith and leaning in to God to carry me and making sure that God is in the driver's seat. And I would never know that if I hadn't gone through some of those journeys. I would continue to keep trying to operate the car myself. It probably sounds kind of cliche, but I think it's I think it's a both and. And so I don't call my journeys my wilderness is suffering anymore. I call them um, equipping journeys and healing journeys and listening journeys. Thank you for listening to the Stuck Podcast. We want to invite you to engage this material even further through the show notes below. There you'll find a series of questions, prompts, and biblical texts that will invite you to reflect on how God is at work in your life and to think even more deeply on the places where you might, in fact, be stuck. Thanks again for listening.